You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley. I am uh, eight days now into my rutcation uh, here in the state of Wisconsin, and man, it has been an absolute roller coaster so far. You know, this is the time of the intro when I would typically kind of update you on what I've been doing over the past week, or what I'm getting ready for, or what I'm looking forward to, or whatever. Uh, but that's what this episode is all about. I have my buddy Pierce on, and uh, we both were able to launch some arrows in the last week. Um, one of us got a deer, and one has nothing to show for it. So uh, you'll find out how everything is going in uh, throughout the course of this episode. But I do just want to say for all of you who are following along with my story on Instagram, uh, thanks for following along. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your encouragement. I appreciate all the messages that are like, hey, man, keep grinding, you know, keep after it. Uh, yeah, really, really appreciate that. As you can probably tell from the story that I've been posting, uh, man, it has been a rough go. I have been scouting, 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 hunting really, really hard, dark to dark, pretty much every single day. Uh, I've hunted in high winds. I've hunted in the rain. I've hunted in the heat. I've hunted in the cold. And, uh, man, it has just been a grind. But, um, you know, I'm starting to get on deer. So I'm at the point now where I'm seeing a buck a day roundabout, maybe one or two. Um, and I've had two shooters within shooting range um, over the last eight days or so. So my first eight days here. Um, so you really can't ask for much more than that. I mean, my goodness, to go out on a piece of public land to encounter uh, some adversity and have two shooters within bow range, uh, one on day three and then one on day seven, I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good results from the style of hunting that I am employing. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this uh, episode this week. Before we jump into it, though, I do want to give a big shout out to my partners. First of all, Tacticam. I've been using the camera gear all week this week. And um, man, I tell you, the the camera arm with the shoulder mount that mounts to the tree and all of that garbage, it's getting old. <laughs> it's getting old really, really quickly. Um, but one thing that's not getting old is lugging my Tacticams around. So today I decided, hey, I'm getting back to the basics. I left all of my camera gear in the car except for my Tacticam 5.0 wide and the Tacticam 5.0 that's on my bow. And uh, yeah, man, I, I take that 5.0 wide and I angle it to where I expect a shot to come from. The 5.0 is on the end of my bow and I'm ready to go and I can film my hunt. And I've got a little remote control. One button turns on both cameras automatically. They start recording automatically. I don't have to check them 
or anything like that. They're right there, aimed where I want them. Uh, yeah, so if you're not using tactic cams already, but you're thinking about getting into self-filming, or maybe you're trying to use your phone, or you're trying to use some other way of filming your, your hunts, and maybe it's kind of getting a little bit tedious, maybe it's getting a little bit heavy, and you're just like, gosh, this this self-filming thing may not be for me. Uh, yeah, give Tacticam a try. I think you're I think you're gonna love these cameras. And uh, hey, their new 6.0 camera is a huge upgrade from the 5.0. It's got an LCD screen on it, so you can uh, control your camera a little bit easier as far as changing settings right there on the camera. You can also go back and review your shots right away. It's a huge upgrade from the 5.0, uh, but the 5.0 is fantastic. That's what I'm rocking right now. So anyway, you can go check them out at Tacticam.com. Next up, Huntworth, man, <laughs> like I said, I have been hunting in hot temps, cold temps, windy weather, rainy weather, uh, dry weather, like at anything and everything that Mother Nature can throw at me, she has thrown at me thus far. And then by the end of the week, we're going to be down, you know, highs in the upper teens or lows in the upper teens, highs in the 30s. It's going to be frigid. And this Huntworth gear has been keeping me dry and warm and cool whenever it needs to. So I've been wearing, I, I've worn their Durham lightweight stuff for early season. I have worn their Elkins for kind of their, their mid season kind of stuff. And now I'm rocking their heat boost uh, line of clothing today. And I've worn all of these on this one trip. Oh, and I've also worn their rain gear, which their rain gear is phenomenal. Guys, I've never had rain gear that does what it's supposed to do. And you know, by way of actually keeping you dry. Their rain gear is excellent. Their packs are really excellent too. So, um, you know, you keep all your gear in the pack and they're not waterproof, but they are kind of like water resistant. And so my gear didn't really even get wet. The only thing that got wet were the things that I attached to the outside of the pack. Um, you know, my camera arm uh, and base, uh, any clothes I had attached to the outside, that kind of stuff. But everything inside was nice and dry. Uh, yeah, and I've just really enjoyed wearing this Huntworth gear. I also had this instance where a, a bunch of different deer came out downwind of me the other day and they all smelled me, which is really unfortunate, including the, the nice buck that I was going to try to get a shot at. Um, but one thing they couldn't do was see me in the tree. In fact, the does kept coming back time and time again, smelling where I was. They weren't blowing at me. They could tell there was a person somewhere near, but they couldn't find me. They were looking up, trying to find me in a tree, looking down, trying to find me on the ground and they could not see me. And that's because that tarnin pattern is fantastic. You can go check it out at my on my story. You can see I've been rocking the tarnin pattern all week. You can also go see uh, all of the gear from Huntworth Gear at huntworthgear.com. Next up, Deer Lab. They're the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. You can use Deer Lab to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions this fall while you're chasing that buck. I know I've been using it. Uh, not so much in the last week now that things have kind of busted loose with the rut here, but leading up to this, I was using it trying to get a pattern on these bucks and Hey, it, it has paid off. And I had a good pattern on, on one buck who, you know, now it's the rut. So he's kind of off doing his thing. But, uh, anyway, you should give deer lab a shot. You can go get a 30 day free trial right now on their website, deerlab.com. And when you are ready to check out and purchase a plan, you can use the code Wisconsin for 20% off. Lastly, Onyx guys. I cannot tell you how much I've depended on Onyx this week. I've been using the optimal wind feature. I've been using their private public land boundaries. In fact, this afternoon, I needed a little change of scenery, pull up Onyx, find a spot that I want to go, find the landowner information, get a hold of the landowner, got permission on the place, go there. Place turned out to be a dud, but 
Onyx allowed me to at least be able to get on that property and go scope it out. So if you're not using Onyx already, you're using some other software or app that you like, give Onyx a try. You can go to the app store today, whatever app store you prefer, get a seven day free trial. Just search Onyx Hunt. I guarantee you it is more packed with features, more user friendly, and just all around a better user experience with Onyx. So go check them out today on your app store, or you can also go to onyxmaps.com slash hunt slash app. Thanks so much to all those sponsors who helped make this show possible. Also, thank you to you for tuning in and listening. If it wasn't for you, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing, including here on this uh, rutcation for these two weeks that I've got to try to get out and get a mature buck. So if you're not already, though, go give us a follow on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman. You can also follow my other podcast at How to Hunt Deer. Uh, I'm keeping those stories pretty updated as I go, trying to fill you in a little bit on my thought process. The only thing that I'm not doing that would be really, really cool is sharing screenshots of Onyx when I'm kind of thinking through a spot where I'm going to be. And the reason that I'm not doing that is because, uh, yeah, some folks know pretty close to where I hunt and I don't want them to figure it out. And I kind of want the spots where I'm hunting to be uh, a little bit concealed for now. Maybe I'll post some of this stuff later as I, uh, you know, maybe wrap up the hunt or um, end up tagging out. So anyway, if you haven't already, go leave us a review. Five stars would be fantastic. Less if that's what you think we deserve, man, I get it. So, uh, but if you can leave us a written review, that would be great as well. Now let's jump into this week's episode with Pierce Nellis talking about an update of our rut hunting so far. All right, on the show with me today for the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is my buddy Pierce Nellis. Pierce, what's up, man? Not much, dude. I was just telling you, I'm trying to get used to life without a tag here. Whoa, whoa, but man! You you just doing well. You just put doing it well. right. Sorry, I didn't mean to you, jump there. You just put it all. You just put it all out there, man. Well, all right. So uh, I'll have to jump right in. So this episode then is a an update on my rutcation so far and your rut hunting so far. And, uh, man, it's been, it's been pretty eventful. Why don't we, why don't we jump right into yours since people kind of know what's coming already? Uh, and tell us like, how did it start? When, when, When did you really start, uh, I get, would you call it grinding? Like, were you hunting? Do you think you were hunting like really hard or is that like, uh, I was just kind of getting out every now and then. I was getting after it pretty hard there um, towards that last week of October. And then as we sort of got into this first week in November, um, November is a little more short lived, but yeah, I was, it was typically kind of like we mentioned earlier on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> I guess it was back in what September, that was before season had even started. Um, I mentioned that uh, around where I hunt uh, at, my, at my folks place, um, we're typically getting, most of our daylighting bucks that last week of October this year, that wasn't really the case, but I was out there nonetheless. Um, and really started getting after it between the 24th and the, that 28th, I believe it was, um, pushed into the 29th a little bit too, and then rested it for a few days, which I was sort of kicking myself for because my cameras blew up on the 30th and 31st <laughs> <laughs> and then got back out, uh, on the, did I get out on the first? I think I got out there on the first and then again, on the third. And that is when things started to uh, come together. Yeah. And you did a, you did a fair amount of hopping around too. So you weren't just like planted at your folks place. 
Right, exactly. So I, because it's such a small parcel, just that five acre um, little postage stamp we've got there. Um, I did get permission at some uh, private land to hunt this farm that actually butts up to some public uh, over kind of in, I guess that'd be Western Iowa County. Um, mostly pasture, nothing really crazy, um, but has a few good strips of timber in there and saw some good deer, saw some good sign, but again, nothing really happening during daylight hours, um, or where I was at. If there was action, it was typically within that first 45 minutes of daylight and then things quieted down pretty quick. But yeah, I kind of tried hopping back and forth and then, uh, used, you know, trips to my folks place to, uh, check cameras and all that. And you know, got some time out there and yeah, tried to cover some ground. So in, in that last week of October, um, you know, for me, it's always been, you know, here in on this public piece that I really like to hunt, it's really that second mm-hmm. week of November when things really appear to be kind of starting to cut loose. You know, that first week of November can be right. pretty good. That last week of October, I just haven't had a lot of action. I haven't seen bucks in daylight. Like, it it just it's just not quite happening yet. So it's like it's a little later and and maybe that's an maybe that's because of the pressure, right? Like maybe pressure mm-hmm. keeps the bucks uh you know moving a, a lot more at night and keeping a lot of that rutting behavior uh later in the evening as opposed to during the day because right. you know it's it's not quite time yet anyway. I mean those does aren't being bred just yet and so um mm-hmm. now it could pop off if you have a doe come in early or something like that, but uh for the most part right. this second week of November really seems to be when things, you know, I, I say second week, beginning around the 5th, 5th, 6th, 7th, sure. on through, you know, 14th or so, like that's when things really seem to start start cranking up. So you weren't seeing a ton. No, I wasn't really seeing a ton. I, you know, I do think it kind of has to do with, um, you know, kind of like you mentioned there, that pressure and stuff. Because obviously, you know, the, when the doughs start to pop, then that's kind of a, you know, usually within the same kind of time frame within a day or two of, uh, you know, whatever, I guess for you would be by the, you know, the fifth and the sixth. And um, for us, I guess it's not really, it's probably about the same for us really, maybe a day or two earlier. Um, but, you know, I think it really does have a lot to do with uh, how much pressure is going on on each property in each area. Cause last year, I remember I went way, way, way too hard um, on our little package of land there. And then, the neighbors all around me, they've got, you know, several hundred acres, um, that completely surrounds us and those guys barely hunted at all. And so those deer, you know, they just kind of figured out, okay, this little corner of the ridge, we're just going to cut through the corn or we're going to go up into the field or we'll just avoid it. It's like they knew almost, it was, it was kind of funny. So um, you think you, you think you blew it out last year? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I had one really good day of, uh, solid spreading activity. Um, and that was November 2nd. So I was trying to keep it as close to that as possible. Um, simply because that was when I saw, you know, bucks on their feet. I think that day last year, I want to say like four or five different bucks, um, throughout the day, but not really laying down sign or anything, but just cruising, looking for does and covering ground. Yeah. But all the daylighting of hitting scrapes and everything, at least from what I saw on camera, granted this was based off of one camera was on, I think it was the 30th last year. Okay. And again, that was after one specific buck rather than just what the herd's doing at all. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit it pretty hard uh, right there in that last week of October, 
missed the days that mm-hmm. you should have been out the 30th and 31st, it appears. Was that morning movement, evening movement, all day movement? Uh, kind of all day, a lot of morning. Um, usually things kind of tapered off after about 1130. And then it kind of started pushing a little bit further and further back um, till around like 1240, I think ended up kind of being a, a sweet time for, for some activity there. And I don't know if that, and I was talking to a buddy who thought maybe that would be moon phase because I guess that you know, it had been pretty bright at night. So maybe they were moving more, um, you know, during those conditions and stuff and then resting for the early morning and then picking back up mid after, you know, mid late morning to, you know, midday or what exactly. I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> super, super in tune with the moons or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were, I, I've had more, right. I did see more midday activity this year than I had, um, in years past, which was, which is pretty good. Nice. Why do you think that is? Do you think a lot of that's maybe just because you've controlled the pressure a little bit better on your place? I think so. Yeah. I've been really, really, really hyper aware of what my wind's doing. Um, okay. and that honestly, that paid off for me big time, especially, um, this past week when I had some success, but in hunts prior to that as well. Um, I actually, I kind of figured out that tree that you and I sat in back in September is, you know, I remember that day we didn't have hardly enough wind to, you know, kind of save ourselves. It was just so dead that day that everything was just sort of swirling all around us and it was kind of dipping down. The thermals were kind of pushing it up and it just kind of just held our scent stagnant right yeah. in the air there. Yeah. We got um, stuck in that wind tunnel. I went, yeah, got stuck exactly. in the wind. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough wind to to get it, you know, push it down any further down the ridge. Mm-hmm. Right, and so then uh, on Thursday we had like what was it, like eighteen mile an hour winds. Like it was, it was kind of the start of this weekend's uh, little gale storm um, that we ended up getting, and so that ended up actually working in my favor. And I thought going up on top of the hill a little bit further from that tree would actually, uh, you know, basically keep my scent going totally over the top of everything and just get blasted off the ridge. And it was the complete opposite. It was like wind coming from the South and then thermals were kind of pushing up that Valley and pushing everything up kind of from the North almost. And it was actually creating this weird little swirl that was just a dead spot where all my scent was dropping straight down towards the scrape that I was trying to hunt. Oh, that's um, not good. So I ended up hopping down and, or, you know, 9 a.m. or something like that and switched trees and had a lot of good luck from there. Yeah. So what, what day was that again? That was Thursday. I and believe. November 3rd? Yeah, 3rd. Third. Third. Yep. yep, November 3rd. All right. So take me through this a little bit because uh, if anybody has seen your Instagram post, you do not have a buck tag a buck archery tag in your pocket anymore. Uh, you got a good buck on the ground. So take me through the hunt. All right, man. So we were, uh, I, I was texting you the whole time, pretty much. You were, you were getting to play by play and you factored into a lot of my, uh, decisions throughout the day. So hey, I appreciate I'm, that. I'm but. pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of us. We've, we've done a really, like we have basically been hunting in the same tree all year, even though we're not, yeah. not very close to each other. I mean, we have, Pretty much, we have, we're just we have, watching. yeah, we've kept each other posted. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun, man. And I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, so I, I got out there probably 45 minutes before first flight, um, on this past Thursday, November 3rd, 
Uh, I was getting up there. I could hear deer all around me. I actually, I got busted by a doe and a fawn that was with her as they were walking through the backyard of my folks place while I was putting everything on. Like I looked up and I just, I saw this doe like 40 yards from me on the edge of the yard <laughs> staring at me. And I saw like her fawn was, you know, oblivious, but she ended up blowing kind of, you know, sauntered off and I was like, all right, whatever. Like at least it's early. Um, and so I got up to the tree, um, totally fine. Got in there really quiet. Uh, everything set up about yeah, 20 minutes before first light. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about that. And, uh, I could hear deer all around me. I could see some tails flicking. I couldn't actually get eyes on what it was, uh, in the moment. However, right after first light, kind of in gray light there, I could hear something coming up the hill kind of down below me. And from this doe kind of came up and actually went straight to the base of my tree. So I don't know if I left some ground scent down there or what, but whatever it was, she wasn't too threatened by it at the very least. So she kind of hung out there and then just worked her way back down the ridge. And that was the last year that I saw um, for several hours. And so I was sitting up there and, kind of waiting for things to maybe pick up and usually deer will kind of come down from the, the creek bottom that's down below us. And then they'll work their way up and then I'll start working their way across the ridge, um, kind of past me between bedding areas or they'll come from the North on this other ridge. They'll dip down through the little hollow that we have behind our property and then they'll pop up on the ridge where I was set up at, and then they'll go to the bedding um, to the South of that. So, Neither of those things happened, um, unfortunately, but I was sitting there and again, I was dropping milkweed all day because the wind was just being really weird. And then I started realizing that, okay, I, even if I drop my milkweed when the, you know, the south blowing wind is, you know, at its strongest, you know, like I said, it was like 18, 20 mile an hour winds that day. As I was going on, even if I dropped it off of that, this thermal that was coming up from the bottom of the creek or the creek bottom there, <clears throat> Um, just started, it just created this dead zone. And so I would let go of that milkweed. It would just come flying out of my hand for about 10 feet. It would hit what looked like just a thermal wall. And then it would slowly drip back down and like literally do like a corkscrew and like pretty much wrap around the tree, um, and go straight down to this, uh, down to the straight and you know, the trail that I was trying to, that I knew that any, any bucks that were coming in, I knew they'd be on that trail yeah. uh, going in to hit this scrape. That was the thickest trail that they had. Um, and so I guess the, the trail with the most cover, I should say. And so, um, you know, I was sitting up there and it got to be about nine forty-five, ten o'clock. And I was like, you know what? I want to get down and switch trees. So I climbed down, <clears throat> ran down to the house, grabbed my saddle, grabbed my platform, all that stuff ran to the tree that you and I had sat in, um, which have thrown some, just some, uh, screw in steps in <clears throat> so I could, you know, ease in the setup process. Uh, and I got set up there and sat for about an hour, hour and a half. Didn't see a single deer. And I think I was texting you when all of a sudden I heard some leaves crunching a twig break. And I look up to my right kind of up the ridge a little bit and I see a real nice eight pointer just kind of sauntering towards me down the same path that I thought he was going to be on. And he starts getting close and he gets kind of just to the South of the scrape. And he kind of stops and he throws his nose up and he's looking around and <clears throat> you can definitely smell something, but he's not on a high alert. Exactly. Hmm. Um, and so I'm, I grab my bow and 
slowly kind of rotate my saddle just around the tree a little bit. He gets eyes on me almost immediately as I start doing that. And I just froze. He sat there for a minute, tried winding me again. And again, he smelled something, but he wasn't really freaked out by it. And so he just kind of started, he went and worked that straight for a little bit. I had a big, um, thicket of branches and honeysuckle bushes between that scrape and myself. Um, but basically that the setup I had was that I would hit him either going to the scrape or leaving the scrape. Um, gotcha. when he came into work. It. And so, uh, he went through work, the scrape and again, just real cautiously doing lots of, uh, scent checks and everything. He was throwing his nose up and just checking things out and you know, determining, all right, I'm going to keep going. And so as he worked his way past this branch, I drew back, and, dude, I was shaking so bad. I was not <laughs> composed at all. Like, at all. I, I don't think I could find my anchor point to save my life. I was trying to, you know, look through my peep sight, and it just, nothing was going well, and I was panicking. How far and out was he? Like 19 yards. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not, not proud to admit this next part here. So, he, he, gets in there. He's kind of quartering to a little bit, but he stops and I'm like, Oh my God, what's going to happen. Okay, here we go. And I'm just not composed whatsoever. My pin gets on Brown and I punch the trigger like a son of a gun mm. and an arrow goes flying out. <clears throat> I cuss to myself as the arrow leaves the bow. <laughs> oh, and, man. uh, I watch this thing go flying forward. The buck kind of jumps or ducks a little bit. And luckily this arrow, just, I see a tuft of fur just shoot up and my arrow crashes through this bush and buries itself in the ground. The buck runs off. I frustrated myself, immediately grab my grunt tube, give him a couple grunts. He stops, looks around. He's still kind of like, what the hell is that? But you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't a hard spook. Um, and so he, you know, he's probably at this point, 50, 60 yards away just kind of looking around and I'm I'm grunting at him a little bit and he's sort of looking around, but he's not sold on anything. And he, at this point he's just like, okay, that was pretty weird. I don't know what it was. I don't think it was terrible, but I don't know what it was. So I'm going to get out of here. And so he just very slowly, very calmly, um, walked off into this thicket, into this bedding. And so I was like, well, you know what, maybe he'll come back. Maybe there's a chance. Um, and so, I sat there for another three hours and I texted you as soon as I did. I was like, dude, I just did exactly what you did last night because <laughs> you and I had both just wrapped up that podcast for how to hunt deer on, uh, basically dealing with adversity and, you know, maintaining your, your mental toughness throughout, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of the rut. And it's time for you to learn the lesson. As soon as I did that. Exactly, man. I was just like, gosh, I got to, like, did you upload that thing yet? I got to listen to this. I need a pep talk right now. <laughs> like, that was rough. <laughs> and uh, so I sit there for three hours or so. Um, you know, again, still don't see another deer. And I finally said, you know, I'm going to get down. Um, you know, I was texting you, how late do you think I should wait until I go and hop down and find this thing and, or find the arrow and then, you know, maybe switch spots. And so I waited until about 2.30. And got down, found my arrow, big clump of fur on the, on the ground. There's a little tiny bit of blood on the arrow. Like just like, like if I got skin, I just like barely nicked him. And so I found the arrow, 
put that back in my quiver and start hiking down. And I was going to go into the house and <clears throat> grab a bite to eat quick before I went back out. And so I am standing on the back porch. I put my bow down. I start changing out of my stuff. I was just going to throw my sweatpants and sweatshirt back on that I wore up that morning. And I'm standing on the porch, literally in my underwear. And all of a sudden I hear up the hill from me, some crunching leaves, a twig break. And I look up and the same buck is just cruising down through the timber and he cuts through the yard, completely oblivious to me, but he's got his mouth hanging open, his head down. He's drooling like crazy. He's all bristled up and he is just hounding through the edge of the yard. He comes by, like, I think I ranged after he left at like 30 yards. Like it was just ridiculous. And I'm standing there literally with my pants down, like, Oh my God, what do I do? Like, what the heck? And so I real quick grab my pants, throw those back on, throw a shirt on, grab my bow, my release and my grunt tube. And I run over to the kind of the edge of our property. Cause we went down there. As you go down towards the uh, Creek bottom from our place, there's this real thin strip of really thick cover. And then it drops down into this real flat bottom. And so we headed down that way and I run over uh, kind of the edge of our property. I'm in this thicket and I grunt at him a few times. The wind's blasting at this point, especially down there. And uh, he stops, he whips his head around and he's kind of posturing. He's kind of fired up, but I, I throw a, a quick snort at him and he stomps a couple times and he's really, really looking hard to try and find whatever made that noise and he can't do it. And so eventually he just kind of walks off again, just kind of with the same attitude of like, okay, that was pretty weird. I don't know what that was, but I, I guess I'll leave. Um, so I, I just texted you at that point saying like, dude, I just saw the same buck. Just told him exactly, <laughs> told you exactly what had happened. Um, and at this point I'm just, I'm angry. I've never really been angry at a deer, but I was just, I felt so, so insulted at this point. Like, <laughs> he, basically, he basically like, just came and spit in your face. He did. He did. Absolutely. Like he, he waited three hours for me to get down. He probably was bedded somewhere that he could watch me get down, check that arrow, pick up his own fur and all that. And then leave just so then he could follow me out pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, he's trying to spite you. So he, he, he basically, I mean, I, I certainly felt that. I think I texted you at that point once I got set up later on that I was going to name that buck adversity if, uh, if I ever <laughs> saw him again. So I end up uh, texting you. Well, I grab a bite to eat. I'm on the back porch, get my stuff back on. I can see him down in the creek bottom, kind of there's a CRP field down on the other side of it. I can see him down there running around like crazy. And I texted you and I was like, dude, what do you think? Do I set up in this bottom or do I go back on top? Cause at the same time on top, I mean, like above our ag field or above our, um, I'm sorry, our timber, there's a big ag field which usually draws a bunch of deer. And that was in corn this year that was getting picked. And <clears throat> the combine was, was up there that afternoon. So I'm like, shoot, do I go up there and hope that the combine pushes some deer out? Um, or, you know, do I stay in this Creek bottom and hope that he comes up the other, you know, the way that he came kind of and, and works around. And so start trying to figure it out. And then I'm like, dude, what do you think about throwing a doe decoy out there? Cause I'd had some luck with it in the past. Like I've, I've had it for, I don't know how many years. I think I've probably used it maybe six or seven times. And 
every time I've done it, it's been, I think a little too late in the season for it. And, mm. and you were all for it. You were like, dude, in the mood he's in right now, he is looking for does. And like, I think it'd be a good call. So yeah, dude, the, I, the way you described him, like the way he was cruising and, you know, mouth oh, yeah. open, tongue hanging out. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. was, he was looking, dude was looking yeah. hard. Yeah, and he found a couple of does down in that creek bottom that were bedded, and he was hounding those two like while they were, you know, basically while I was getting set up, I could see him doing that. Um, and so I grabbed the decoy, and we sort of got this kind of upper prairie on the the other on the the uphill side of this thin strip of you know, thicket, pretty much, and then it flattens out, and then it's pretty open down in the creek bottom as well. And so I originally started kind of in the upper prairie, and the wind was blowing so bad it blew my decoy over twice to the point where I was like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to climb up and down this tree again to pick up this darn decoy. So I grabbed <laughs> it and I took it down to the bottom and I set it up, kind of leaned it up against a little bit of a, not leaned it up against, but put it in some, some tall enough grass, that the grass would sort of support. It. So yeah. set it there, um, pretty much downwind of me and with its head, facing away from me. And so I was texting you the whole time and I was just worn out at this point and still couldn't believe that this deer had, uh, you know, I, I grazed him and then he came back, spat in my face and ran down. And I was just, at this point, you know, I'd been up since 4am. I was just dog tired and kind of burned out and now we're texting each other. And I was just like, man, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. And about an hour later, I believe it was like five Oh four he suddenly appears right below me. And so I'm <clears throat> I was set up on a really thick tree and I, I don't remember what, I, I think I was texting you and then I heard a little bit of like grass rustle or just something that didn't sound right. And I put my phone away and I just peeked around the side of the tree. And I can see the hind quarter of a deer kind of disappear behind the trunk. And so I very slowly, come around the other side and sure enough first uh, first thing I didn't even I didn't look at the rack I just looked at the bald spot on his back (laughs) the first time because that was what I saw when he came through the yard too I was like that's the same exact buck like that is like I I know for a fact I mean not antlers antlers aside like I know for a fact because I just made that bald patch on his back yeah and uh so I, I see the bald patch I see the antlers and I'm just like it's on all right. And so I, I grabbed my bow and kind of slowly rotate around the tree a little bit. One of the treads in my boot caught on my platform. It kind of made a little bit of a, you know, those metallic kind of pops like a you know, pretty standard platform. Make. So he stopped and he ended up looking right at me again. Um, and again, just froze, didn't move at all. And he's kind of going back and forth between looking at me and looking at this decoy and looking at me and looking at this decoy. And then finally he decided, like, you know what? I got to see what this decoy is all about. Mm. And so as he worked his way through, there was one other branch that kind of was between he and I, and I drew back and was kind of thinking about, uh, you know, our conversation from the night before when you were talking about that buck coming in on you and how you were like, dude, I had my pin on his vitals from the second I could see him. I didn't move my pin from his vitals the entire time. And so I just, I was like, that's what I needed to do the first time. Drew back, anchored, got everything lined up, um, and just stepped that pin on his vitals and waited. So he worked his way out very, very slowly um, into this opening patch or this open patch at about 
21 yards and started quartering just a little bit away from me because he was going to try and go around and get downwind of that decoy. And so he opened his shoulder just a little bit, stopped, and the pin was where it needed to be. And I let drive and watched the arrow disappear straight through his ribs. And he wheeled hard and you could see about a foot of it sticking out the other side of him. And he just bolted. Um, and pretty much ran towards the creek. Um, he was going to kind of go around this tree, and then there's a, I didn't know it at the time, but there's a really, really, really heavily worn path through this shallow spot in the creek. And so he ended up at the last second take, or taking a right and going down that thing and jumped up the other side and kind of trotted over to the opposite side of the creek, kind of out in the middle of this uh, CRP. And I could see him just dumping blood like crazy. And he started getting the shaky legs and uh, took a couple of, stumbling steps and down he went, man. And let me tell you, that felt good. (laughs) (laughs) Heck yeah, man. After, after botching a lot of hunts, uh, for the past few years or coming up short or, you know, like I've mentioned before in 2020, I put a bad shot on one that felt really, really good to see that arrow hit home and be able to watch the entire thing unfold after that. And, be able to watch my first archery buck hit the ground. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. And so how, how did you have that decoy set up where he was trying to circle downwind? Did you aim it? Like, was it facing you? Was it facing away from you? How did you position the decoy? I had it facing away from me to my, I guess it would be north, like just up, upwind of me, uh, or I guess downwind of me, sorry. Um, the there's a really really heavily worn path um that goes down through this creek bottom that he ended up taking that same path but i set her right next to that path just because again that there was a tall enough or thick enough bit of brush there that she could sort of stand on her own or have a little bit more stability um so i set her up there she was facing away from me um with her head cocked away from me as well um and that seemed to do the trick yeah, and he was coming around behind her. He was trying, to, so he actually came from upwind of her, okay, which was strange. Yeah. Um, so he he was walking with the wind, couldn't smell her at all, which ended up kind of saving my bacon there because had it been down, I don't think he would have gotten heck out of there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was he was coming with the wind. He just came in on her. I think had I not had the decoy there and just been calling or something, I think he would have been a lot more susceptible to trying to circle around downwind, but because he, he had that visual, um, I, I think he could, it was enough for him in the mood that he was in to kind of quite literally throw a caution to the wind and walk with it to try and investigate that deer. Yeah, man. Decoy. Dude, that deer was trying to die. Like that mm-hmm. deer, he was, he was wanting some female attention pretty, uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty bad. And it got him in trouble. Um, yeah, so looking for love. you set out this year with the goal of getting your first archery buck. Like we had, we had talked about that, uh, on, mm-hmm. an, on an earlier episode. 
and uh, how's it feeling? Pretty darn good, man. Like, like I said, right before we started here, it's weird uh, not having a tag burning a hole in my pocket right now. And it's, it's, I've almost got a little bit of FOMO, I think, because I'm used to, you know, at this point, just grinding and grinding and grinding and getting my butt kicked. And so it was kind of nice to have it the other way around for once. <laughs> You, you sent me a couple of pictures since then of just like, dude, I think I tagged out too early and some pretty, pretty nice bucks <laughs> still roaming, roaming the yeah. woods out there. But, uh, you know, you yeah, always... the day after, I mean, cameras exploded <laughs> salt in the wound. Now it, it's good though. You, you've, <laughs> you've got a gun tag, so you'll be, you'll be after a man. Yep. They'll get nice and comfortable on your, on your property as the neighbors start to Absolutely. get out and kind of do their thing. So this is, uh. I think this is good timing. Had, had you ever seen mm-hmm. that? Had you ever seen that buck before? Yeah. It's funny. You ask that question, Josh. <laughs> I actually have seen that deer before straight under the bus. Is there any regular straight <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> if there were any regular, uh, if there are any regular listeners to this podcast who, uh, may recall from, I guess that would have been September. Um, there, there was an episode out there called did Pierce pass a shooter. Um, and I think in that conversation, you and I talked about this buck that I saw, and I, I think I recall saying, you know, if he had a big swollen up neck and he was all bristled up with his mouth hanging open and, uh, you know, drooling like crazy, I'd probably let one fly on him. But, you know, in September when he was just eating apples and he's, you know, had his summer coat and everything, like he just didn't quite... I didn't want the season to end and he just, I didn't think it was right. But let me tell you guys that when he was all bristled up and his neck was swollen, he was, he was a different deer. I'll tell you that. And, uh, it has come full circle and I have, uh, claimed my redemption, I guess. That's right. On, uh, passing that buck and passing, then missing, then being spat at and then finishing the deal and on then, that buck. And it then getting come. him. And then get, and, and yep, to, to, exactly. to, to, um, I guess answer the debate once and for all, the deer was how old, according to your taxidermist? Two and a half. Two and a half years old. So I, I thought there was a possibility that he could be a three year old when I, when I, I saw the picture. Because his chest was deeper. His chest like was, he, he was, he was deep. a big bodied deer. I he didn't was. get a weight on him once we, we had him on the ground, but I mean, he was, he definitely been losing a little bit of weight um, since I saw him in September, but he was, I mean, still a, a, for a two and a half year old deer, he was a big body deer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a, an interesting um, point. I, I was talking to you about this when I was uh, chatting with my, my taxidermist, which for anyone in the Madison area, uh, they'll hit up John Dimple from uh, Vermont Valley taxidermy over in black earth. Great dude. Awesome. He does a heck of a job with the deer too. Um, but yeah, so I was chatting with him and there was another gentleman, uh, there who shot a freaking toad, like an absolute monster out of the, uh, cross plains area, um, on the third as well. And so we were all sitting there talking and <clears throat> trying to figure out the age of the deer. And it was kind of interesting. Um, John just whipped out a tape measure and measured from the bottom, like the inside corner of the deer's eye to the tip of its nose to age it. 
Um, he didn't go for the teeth or anything like that, but he, he was saying usually a three and a half year old deer, nine times out of 10, the distance between that, the corner of the eye and the tip of the nose is going to be 7.5 inches. If it's less than that, it's probably a two and a half year old. If it's pushing eight, eight and a half, you're probably looking at four and a half, five and a half year old deer. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That is that that's pretty interesting. I haven't heard that before. I haven't either. And and only, I think only somebody who's a taxidermist or somebody that handles a lot of deer is going to have that, oh, kind yeah. of, that kind of knowledge. Yep. I mean, because it's so region specific, right? Like you might go, you know, down, let's say down to Georgia or Alabama and mm-hmm. those, the deer's, the deer's head is going to vary widely from a deer's head here in, in Wisconsin. You know, it's going to be very, very different. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I had never heard that before either. Awesome way of, of, Agent deer. I mean, if he says it's consistent, then man, I'm all about it. But so for the record mm-hmm. though, I was wrong. Uh, he was a two and a half year old deer and I was you right. Were right that he was a shooter. I though. was right that yeah. you should have shot. Him. <laughs> no, that, that's good, man. You know, I I've started to realize some, there's something that one, the thing that makes Turkey hunting so captivating to me is one of the things at least is the mood of the animal. Like mm-hmm. to me, there's something about turkeys that are just fired up that gets me going. And it's the same way with deer. In the early season, there are, they're a different animal than they are during the rut. I love hunting rutting yeah. bucks. Now, will I shoot a nice buck in the early season? Absolutely. If I can hit it. Um, my story didn't go so well this week, but, uh, you know, something about rutting bucks, though, and the attitude that they have and kind of like, you know, they're all fired up. Like, for me, that's just such more of an experience than, like you said, shooting a two-year, two-and-a-half-year-old deer out there eating apples right? in a summer coat. Absolutely. It's almost, yeah, it, it seems as though, they, like you said, they've got a little bit more personality to them. There's a different demeanor to them. There's just a different attitude that they carry with them. Yep. Um, their body language is so much different. You know, they... They go from, you know, just being a deer, just being a turkey to that's a freaking buck right there. Or yeah. that is a fired up Tom over there. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, Pierce, man, congratulations on your first archery buck. I'm, I'm pumped for you, man. I'm Thank pumped you, that man. you tagged out. You deserve it. You've worked very, very hard. Uh, I don't talk with deer. I don't talk deer hunting um, with anybody more than I do you. And so I know it's on your mind mm-hmm. all the time. Um so yeah, congrats, man. Well done. I'm glad yeah. you put an arrow through that deer. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Now you got to get back I out there. I appreciate it, man. Now you got to get back out there and uh, get one during gun season as well. Don't be getting a big head though, mm-hmm. and like passing two and a half year olds next bow season. All right. So. Oh no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm done. At done least not. <laughs> at least not two and a half year olds that look like that one. That was a good deer. I mean, if you. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'll take that back. If you had, you know, substantial amount of land that you could control and you could control what your neighbors shot or have an agreement with them that they're mm-hmm. not going to shoot them either. Then sure. Pass that two and a half yep. year old, but you got five acres. Like you said, the deer pass through your property and all your neighbors hunt. So right. Slice and dice that thing every time. It's a good deer. Exactly. So, Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I do think next year I may, uh, you know, cause my goal, like we said, my goal for this year was to fill that, that first, boat buck tag. Yep. Um, that being said, I know for, like I've been in good contact with my neighbors and stuff this uh, season as, as always. And 
know those guys haven't had as much time. I've been seeing trucks kind of around, but I don't think they've been hitting it nearly as hard as they, as they have in years past. Um, and I know that those guys are pretty, pretty judicious when it comes to pulling the trigger on a deer. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I've, I've tried to meet that standard for the last several years and I, I absolutely agree with everything that they do and, uh, you know, respect the heck out of it. But, you know, this year was different. This year, the, the goal was to fill that tag and luckily fill that tag. I did. That's right, man. So, um, so going forward, I think I'll kind of change the approach, but not, not too much. What do you, what do you think you'll change? Um, that's a good question, man. That's a really good question. I think it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's the kind of situation where it's like, you can't put your finger on it, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. But no, I, I hear you. Yeah. It might, it might be yeah. that kind of a principle. Man, I, <laughs> I, I was the same way after, um, after last deer season and my approach has been very different. I, I couldn't put into words necessarily, but I, but I knew there were a lot of things I wanted to do, to do different. So, um, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick rundown of my hunts so far, including my evening this evening. So I got yeah, out, man, you've been busy. dude, I, today was day seven of, of the mm-hmm. rutcation. I drove through the night last Sunday night to make it here to Wisconsin in time to hunt Monday morning. And I hit the ground running and I have, I have hunted in scalding hot temperatures at 70 plus degrees. I've hunted in cold temperatures with, you know, rain and 30 plus mile an hour winds, gusts of 40 plus miles an hour. Uh, I have scouted hard. I've been super mobile. I have busted it. Uh, I, me and Onyx are like on a first name basis right now because (laughs) dude, I have relied on that so much in the field, just trying to find the next place, find the next place, find the next place. And I really took Mm -hmm. Tony Peterson's words to heart. Uh, I did an episode with him a while back on the how to hunt deer podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he said, look, during the rut, if it's not happening here, it's happening somewhere. So you've got to go find yep. it. And dude, I have been mm-hmm. after that somewhere since I got on the ground. And yes, uh, you have. you've been learning a ton too. Oh, dude, I've been just like, like you've been a really fast learner this season. I have, dude, I, I put, man, yeah, I, I have gone to deer school and have been educated quite well this year and uh, but dude, mm-hmm. I've worked so hard. Like I've scouted so, so much. Oh yeah. I've, I've scouted my way in on every single sit um, or, and my way out on every single sit. Like if it's daylight, I'm scouting either in or out. Mm-hmm. So I get here and um, my cameras have been dead, you know? So I, I get here and I just go to a spot that I know that's traditionally good. Usually there's good sign in there. And right away, I can hear a guy behind me um, blowing a grunt call. Um, he had come in. Yeah. He was about 75 yards behind me. I guess he, he saw my car. He just knew he wanted to hunt there. Um, mm-hmm. And so he came in behind me. I saw nothing that morning. The sign was dead. There, were no, there was one fresh rub in front of my stand or in front of where I was sitting. Uh, there were no scrapes down there which is kind of abnormal. The trail was not really worn down very well. Um, I just didn't see what I wanted to see. 
So kind of scouted my way around, uh, scouted down that afternoon um, in another spot that I really liked. Ended up sitting there the following morning, had one doe come through. I was sitting on the ground. She came to like five yards, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. I mean, just got my heart going like a buck, you know, man. I mean, just having a deer that close. But uh, I was sitting a scrape that I had had a cell camera over, and I'd had some bucks that were starting to flirt with daylight. And the first morning that I was there, while I was 200 yards to the south, a nice buck, not a big one, but a nice one, one I would have gladly shot, uh, came and worked that scrape that morning about 15 or 20 minutes after legal shooting light. So I had a daylight bug. Mm-hmm. So the next morning I go right in there and I see one deer all morning. So I'm like, okay, this isn't good. It's not happening here. So it's happening somewhere. And this spot is traditionally a really, really good rut area. I mean, it just, the best rut hunting I've ever had has been in this, you know, 30 acre chunk of woods. And so, right. You were um, jacked up to get in there. I was, man, I was really jacked. But that next afternoon I see a guy in a parking lot and I start talking with him and he confirms what I suspected. Namely, uh, there had been a lot of guys hunting in this area. The corn had just come down. And I think guys, as soon as that corn came down, I think they knew the deer were going to be hitting the field. So they were hitting it too. You know, they were all over it. And he said, yeah, you got a lot of guys hunting in over there. And so he was kind of scouting a new, new spot. So I made sure he and I were going in separate directions and I'd picked out this little pinch point on, uh, on, on X just to go in and check, scouted my way in there. Um, it started checking all the boxes. So it was a good pinch point. It was beyond the, you know, pressure threshold that, that line of human pressure that had been infiltrating the woods. Um, it had, uh, Good deer sign when I got in there. So good trails. Uh, had two very, very fresh scrapes. So I get in there. There's not really any good trees to climb. And so I sit on the ground. I have two deer come in behind me. Uh, one of them I saw. One of them I didn't see. Um, but I spooked both of the deer. And obviously not intentionally, but I spooked both of them. One was a doe. The other one, I don't know what it was. Both of them, though, bounded across the creek. And I think, okay, no harm, no foul. This spot deserves an all-day sit, though. It's checking all the boxes. There's deer in here. I need to get right back in here. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point-of-view camera providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3 to 8x zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their Bose stabilizer mount, as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at tacticam.com or revealcellcam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target, 
And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days. And then when you're ready to buy, use the code Wisconsin at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. So I go in that next morning and I see not a single deer for the entire morning. But I'd committed to give this place an all-day sit because it checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And it gets hot that day. It's like 70-something degrees, 71 or 72 I'm like in the blazing sun in this spot. I just, I can't get out of it. I can't get in the shade other than to wrap myself. I'm in a tree that's leaning so I can go around the top side of the tree and get in the shade, but it's so hard to fight gravity the whole time, you know, on a, on a hard leaning tree when you're in a saddle. So eventually the sun starts to go down and about 30 minutes or so before last light, I hear something and I look over and there is an absolute mega stud of an eight point mm-hmm. coming in. And, and so the picture I sent you this morning, Pierce, I think that might be the same yep. deer. So sure. when I'm saying mega stud, the thing was a mega stud of an eight point. Dude, he was a hog. Dude. Gosh. He went out and stayed out. Yeah. He was a big, big deer, tall tines. I mean, it was just everything you could want, right? The deer comes in, he works the two scrapes that I'm set up near. I'm not set up to shoot the scrapes, it's just too thick. Um, but I, I do have a nice lane, kind of like you were saying earlier, you know, when they either leave or come into the scrape, I'm going to be able to shoot them. So yep. uh, deer comes out, and I had set my pin at 30 yards because I thought there was a trail at 30. And I was like, okay, when he comes in there, I'll pop him. If he comes in a little closer, just aim low, right? No big deal, just aim low. Well. Right he turns and comes straight in at me after this and comes into like 15 yards and just way too close, but I've got the camera on him. I get drawn back. He has no clue. I'm there. He kind of watching the video back. I guess he didn't really stop or maybe he just stopped for just an instant. And as soon as he did, I let it go. But either way, he was right there in front of me, 15 yards, nothing between me except for air and opportunity and I skimmed the very top of his back. I'm talking, I saw hair go, just like you talked about. I go over there in my arrow. There is just a touch of fat and a little bit of hair on the arrow. There's not even any blood. So it just, mm-hmm. I mean, barely skimmed this deer's back. So I'm kicking myself, man. I'm, I, that was day three. I'd put the pieces together, you know, really quickly to get on a, get on a good buck. And uh, it just didn't happen. Right. So... We had a couple of days of, of not great weather. I bounced around to some other spots around the property, just trying to kind of circle what I think is a good area, but I want to be on the outside of it. I want to keep tabs on everything uh, as far as what other hunters are doing and try to find where, where the concentration of the deer is um, because I know right. it, I know they're there, right? <clears throat> so mm-hmm. I come in from the other side the next day. It's pouring down rain. It's going to start thunderstorming here pretty quick in the, uh, on, on this specific day. So I decide, Hey, before I get blown out of here, I'm just going to go and absolutely destroy this bedding area. That's right here by me. Like, I'm just going to run all the way through it. I'm going to walk all around. I'm just going to annihilate it. Like it's not going to be any good to hunt for the rest of the day because I'm going to bump everything out of it. So run through this bedding area 
And it starts confirming all sorts of different things. I start seeing like, okay, here's a trail. Okay, here's where they're crossing the creek. Okay, here's some sign. So kind of all the pieces start to come together. I get out of there right at 3 o'clock as the storms are rolling in. 4.30, wouldn't you know it, a stud 11 point walks past one of my cameras that's right there on the north side of that bedding area. I mean, so he, he had been through there. If I just stopped at one of those spots where I had been scouting earlier that day, <laughs> if I would have stopped at the good trail, I was on the same trail that that camera is on. It's just further down and he was headed that way. Sure. So, but I couldn't, I mean, with the, with the lightning and everything, man, I just couldn't, couldn't swing it. Right. You know, it just was. <clears throat> right. The weather's been nutty this past week, dude. dude it's been awful. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, you have hunted in every condition imaginable. Yeah. Hot, <laughs> cold, wet, thunderstorms, high winds. It's been wild. And man, I've got to shout out Huntworth gear. Like their camo has kept me concealed. It has kept, you know, I haven't had a deer spot me the whole time. Uh, I've had deer wind me and then their rain gear kept me bone dry underneath. I'm talking like, did not get a drop of water inside, uh, you know, while I was hunting in the rain. So really impressed with that stuff. Really? But uh, yeah, su- dude, super impressive. impressive. First man, time I've ever how much rain we got the other yeah, day. Yeah, first time I've ever had a rain suit that like actually did what it was supposed to do and kept me dry. <laughs> you know. So anyway, so I go back to the drawing board though. I go sit that spot again, and in an afternoon, I don't see any deer. The spot where I had an encounter with a good buck, uh, and I sat there again mostly because the winds out of the south. And I couldn't get into the area that I really wanted to without really making some noise. So it's going to be a one hunt kind of thing. You know, it's going to be one time in and I'm just going to blow the whole area out. Um, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to survive because there's no quiet way in there. I mean, I'm going to have to be crawling through some nasty stuff to get in. So anyway, I don't see anything. I go back to that spot today and I say, look, all right, we've had a good weather break. That spot has rested for a couple of days now and I'm going to sit it all day long. Uh, I wasn't able to sit it all day long though. The wind switched out of the West and that was going to make it bad yep. for this spot. Uh, I did see one small buck chase a doe through there early this morning. Uh, oh, and actually when I hunted it yesterday um, afternoon, I did see a deer. Uh, I had a two and a half year old nine point come walking through and I passed it probably a 90 inch nine point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I passed on that thing, man. And I, I had told myself, no deer two and a half or older is getting a pass. <laughs> and it came in and I was like, that's just not the buck I want. I mean, he clearly was not a one-year-old, but he also very right. clearly was not a big two-year-old. And so yep. um, I passed on him. I passed on him, let him go. Um, but anyway, so I didn't see a deer in there this what? morning. Um and when I was on my way out, I decided I'm going to scout around in here, put a few more pieces together. I'm pushing in too far on this spot. So by the mm-hmm. time I get to where I've been hunting, I've crossed over several good trails that after inspecting them further today have good sign on them. So I need to stop it. I need to quit going all the way down there because I, I saw when that <laughs> buck and doe and, and I, when that nine point came through and when that buck and doe came through, they got pinched up away from the creek. So not only is there a pinch pushing them down towards the creek, but there's one pushing them up away from the creek too. So there's about a 35 or 40 yard wide span that they're passing through this area. So it has funneled down even further. I was just going too far. Mm -hmm. That's why that buck was coming into me at 15 yards on that first evening is because they're not crossing this little ditch that I was sitting on where I was. I, I expected they were crossing that ditch close to the creek. They're crossing it back behind me. 
And uh, so I, I put all that together today. So I'm going to let it rest. We don't have a south wind for a couple of days. So it, it's, it's going to mm-hmm. get some rest, and then I'll be back in there if I need to. Um, but I shift around to the spot where I got the picture that mega eight point this morning. And I tell you, I'm pretty, pretty jacked to get in there. So I go climb, uh, or I, I work my way in there with the west wind, which is perfect for this spot. And uh, there's a couple of trees in here that I've hunted before. And one of them I shot uh, the buck last year during pheasant season that I did not recover. I shot him out of that one. And the other one I shot my, my buck that I did get last year out of. And they're probably 40 yards apart from each other, maybe 35 yards apart from each other. And there is, there are trails. So it's got doe bedding to both the North and the South. So a West wind is absolute money in this spot because bucks just pass from one bedding area to another all day long. So I get in there around midday, get set up and I, I walk past, you know, as I'm walking in, I walk past that first tree and I think it's a West wind. Should I stop here or not? And I thought, no, last year when I stopped here at this tree, all the movement was further in. All the rutting activity was further in. All the chasing was further in. I need to push a little bit farther. I climb up into the tree. There's a good, uh, you know, two trails intersect right here. Upwind of me at, at right at 20 yards. I'm like, this is going to be a chip shot, man. They're going to come in here and I'm going to bust them. And I even put on my Instagram story, like, I've got two trails out in front of me. I got one behind me. I really hope they don't come down that one. Well, <laughs> I saw nine deer tonight. And eight of the nine mm-hmm. came down the trail. I didn't want them to come in on. So, uh, it was, it was a rough evening for oh. me. Yeah. I dude kicking myself. And here's the thing. The first year I Those saw bucks, what, what, what was moving <sighs> Pierce, the very first year that I see, I notice movement to my right. I look over, mm-hmm. it's a, an eight point about the size of the one you shot. Standing there, okay, yeah. in the open, about to step into my wind. Like he's just standing oh. there looking forward, and I, he's passing from one doe bedding area to the other, and it makes total sense because he was on the far downwind side of a bedding area. I know that he was going to do. I I know these things, but I pushed in mm-hmm. too far because of last year's intel. Right. Oh, I should have stage hunted my way into there. That's what I did last year, and it was successful. I should have stage hunted right. my way into this good spot. Instead, I went for broke. And um, he stood there and stopped, and I got my bow in my hand, and I'm like, okay, it's a weak side shot, so I'm trying to get turned. He doesn't see me, and he starts to walk, and I'm like, oh, okay, good. He didn't catch my wind. And as soon as I think, oh, good, he didn't catch it, he caught it, and he just froze. Uh-huh. He throws his head up, and he's looking, and he's looking, and he's looking all up in the tree, and he can't see me. I mean, I'm being dead still. Uh, the, the camo I've got on was, has a real open pattern and it's an oak tree that I'm in with no leaves on it. And so I just blend right in with these limbs and stuff and, uh, he can't find me. He doesn't spook hard. He just kind of like, you know, when a buck, like you were saying earlier, huh? That's weird. I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to go over here now, you know? And he just, he just kind of started walking off. I grunted at him when he got off, you know, where he couldn't see me anymore, but I could still see him grunted at him. He kind of stopped and looked and he started to circle back. And I was like, Oh, here we go. He's going to circle further down and run through this bedding area. And then he just turned and, and went on for, you know, on about his business and yeah. walked right out of my life this evening. Oh, and then eight, uh, eight more deer came out. Seven does got downwind of me. 
and one doe was not downwind of me. And so they well, all, those does that got downwind of you pretty, uh, pretty unwelcoming. No, they, they came to my wind, two different groups mm-hmm. came to my wind that, so one group came from the North bedding area. One, one group came from the South bedding area, just like I thought would happen. And mm-hmm. they come out, hit my wind, trot off and say, wait a second, I can't see anything. So they'd come back and be like, did I really smell a person? Oh yeah, there he is. And they'd kind of trot off again. <laughs> and this went on for like the rest of the evening until legal shooting light ended. Uh, another, they finally spook really? off. They don't spook hard, no blowing or anything like that. They just run off. Another group comes in from the other bedding area. They hit my wind. They kind of like, ah, oh, goodness. And they turn around and run off and they come back and they're looking mm-hmm. for me. And they're like, I, I know I can smell somebody and they can't <clears> see me though. So they turn around and just kind of saunter off again and come back out. I had one doe that hung around forever. Like she just would not leave. Uh-huh. Um, but so anyway, they finally worked their way off and I climbed out of the tree and here I am recording this podcast man. about my rutcation. And uh, man, I, th- Dang, I, th- man. Th- I think it's going to happen soon. I am, um, I'm on. I it. think it is too, man. You, you're, you, you're fine tuning the, uh, the area. Oh dude. I've I been am. thinking that like, I'm going to get a text like this afternoon or at like, 11 a.m. today. Dude, just a big old buck sitting I, on the ground for me. I hope so. Like, <laughs> I hope so because I have hunted so hard and I have put into practice <clears throat> everything that I've learned, not only in my own hunting, mm-hmm. but in the process of doing this podcast and in the process of doing the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Like I have put into right. the only the only mistake that I've made so far, as far as like that was a boneheaded move. Uh, well, one was having my sight pin set for 30 um, and a deer coming into 15, I should have had it set at 20 and just left it. Um, the second boneheaded move that I made was today. I knew the wind was out of the West. I knew a buck would mm-hmm. be wanting to run the downwind side of the bedding area. I just anticipated that that was going to be in a little bit more of the thick cover. And it wasn't, he was, right. he was on the true yeah. downwind side. I thought he'd be another 30 yards. <clears throat> So, uh, and it cost yeah, me, I mean, and I wouldn't even call that boneheaded, you know, I really wouldn't because you know, especially on a piece of pressured public, you would anticipate them to be sticking to thick cover, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that one's just, you roll the dice and it just didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, the good news with that though, kind of similar to, you know, you, you know, kind of like we've talked about in that how to hunt deer podcast last week, you gotta, you gotta focus on the wind. Um, your good news tonight, you didn't have deer spook hard, blow like crazy and take off. Nope. You know, Nope. Who knows where they were all just kind of like, all right, something's not quite right. Yep. And we're just going to leave. We're not going to sit here and blow for 15 minutes and, you know, let, every animal in the woods as well as every hunter in the woods know like, Hey, somebody's over here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, that's, I think that's the biggest part. I think the fact that they were like, right, that's weird. Cause you know, the fact they didn't see you for all they know, somebody could have dropped a hat on their way out and yeah. they caught wind of that. And they're like, all right. Yeah. Think, just think about all the stuff that gets left in the woods that deer 
you know, they catch a whiff of and they're like, all right, I don't like it. I don't know what it is. I can't see it, but I'm just going to try to avoid it. That could be everything from trail camps. You know, so you drop your gloves or your hat while you're walking out or, you know, maybe you are just in the tree, <laughs> whatever it may be. You know, I, I think that really goes to show, you know, I think the importance of if a deer wins you or, you know, starts blowing at you, just don't move. Yeah. You know, and even sure. if you're, even if they haven't spooked yet, just the importance of staying really, really still while yeah. you're in the tree. I think that, that is, I mean, that right there shows the importance of that, I think. Yeah, man. I saw it like a statue. Yeah. After they smelled you gotta, it, like I didn't you know, move. But. You gotta. And that's, you know, I kind of told you about that too when I was, uh, I guess it was last week, that last week of October. Um, I had a doe with a little buck fawn coming down below me, actually on the same exact trail that the buck that I ended up shooting came in on. Um, and I was in my saddle. I didn't know she was down there. I just kind of popped my head around the left side of the tree and she looked straight at me and just started blowing like crazy. But then I didn't move. I just froze. Like she 100% saw me like my head literally just pop around this tree and she looked straight up at it, started stomping and blowing, and I just didn't move. And she threw an absolute fit. And then she walked off, and she went about 60 yards, and then she went uphill. Hmm. And then I was, everything was cool, was no big deal whatsoever. And I was like, they're working off, they're not going to see it. And I shifted my weight, and I bent my right knee. And she started blowing again. Oh, and I was like, son of a gun. Really? And just, again, just throwing a fit. This is yeah. the fussiest doe I've seen in a long time. But meanwhile, the fawn that she had with her, the little buck fawn, who I'm assuming was just getting his first surge of testosterone ever, because he was being an absolute maniac. <laughs> he, there was, so this was on that, that kind of middle prairie thing. I, I haven't told you about this yet. He was, so there's three scrapes kind of in the corner of this field, all on red oak trees on you know, different branches and stuff that are hanging down. And he was up on his hind legs, kicking the crap out of this thing. He was peeing in this scrape like crazy. Then, you know, like when you, you know, you give your dog a bath and you let him go and they run all over the house and then they start just like, you know, rolling in circles and stuff like on the couch and on the floor and just rubbing their body and everything. He peed in a scrape and then did that and then went back to kicking the crap out of this branch and was like just running in circles and like just peeing and rubbing his head on everything. And he didn't even have nubs that I could see. Like I was watching him through the binos and I couldn't even, like I could tell he was a young buck, but he obviously he, he hadn't even barely gotten his first little nubs yet, but he was wow. just fired up tearing this thing apart. <laughs> That's I couldn't, that was like, he did it for like 20 minutes, man. It was a while. Like his mom was sitting there just blowing like crazy. Meanwhile, he's just having a field day on this scrape. He's like, like a, he's like a middle schooler. Just. Yeah. Getting, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> losing his mind. Testosterone finally but, uh, surging. Yeah, man. It was nuts. But oh, that, that's I do have one question for you here. Yeah. So you mentioned on the day that you, uh, you know, that you had those stud bucks come in, you really hadn't been seeing any action. Um, so the, like, you know, that day that you had the, uh, the one that you grazed, that was like 
that was like the only deer you saw all day, right? Yeah. Yep. That was the only one. Okay. So that one and then that 11 pointer, was that the first deer that you saw all day? Yep. Well, he, he was on camera, so I didn't lay eyes on him, but that was the only deer that walked past that camera all day. Gotcha. So I guess my, my question for you here is, because again, with the buck that I ended up shooting, I saw two deer that whole day. It was that buck and the doe that I had underneath my stand at first light. I saw that buck three times, luckily, but you know, I wasn't really seeing a ton of deer movement except for these bucks. Do you think there's something to be said for sticking it out if you're having a sit and it's just dead? Do you think it's, it's worth sticking it out, waiting for that one cruising buck to cruise by and give it the opportunity? Or, you know, it, I guess when, when do you think it's time for someone to relocate? Like, what, what's, the, what's the determining factor for you? Yeah, I think a couple of things on that. So number one, it's time to relocate if the wind shifts and it's going to cut off the movement. So today the wind was going to cut off 50% of the deer movement because there was one way in and another way out. The the wind was going to turn and and blow out 50% of the movement. And that that's unacceptable to me. I do as much as I can to get as many flows of traffic in one area as possible. I really like to hunt those spots during the rut. So I was making sure I'm getting out of here. Um, if the spot checks all the boxes, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. like the one I was in the other night, it had the sign, it had a pinch point, it had the right wind. It was beyond the hunter pressure. It had water on a hot day, right? It had everything that I could want in a spot. It was worth right. an all, it was, it was going to be worth an all day sit to me. And that's, sure. that's why I hung at it. And I saw one deer all day. I sat from an hour before dark until, dark and I saw one deer and that one deer um, was the one I wanted to see. And he came in 30 minutes before dark. So it's not even like I got a good midday cruiser to keep me occupied and busy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's on public land too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think uh, for someone else, do you think uh, in addition to that does, you know, how much time you have, for your rutcation plan to that? Like, do you think oh. someone who's got like, I've got an afternoon where I have, you know, th- I, I was able to, you know, convince everyone in my life to give me this Saturday to go out and hunt or whatever day it may be. Um, do you think that's when it's a, you know, call to be more aggressive, call to be more, uh, more mobile, I guess. Or if you're not seeing them relocate or. Yeah, man, that's a, that one's a lot tougher. Um, mm-hmm. Because you just, you just never know, man. Like if you've only got the one day, like I, I hate to, you, you don't want to spend your whole day walking around either. You know what I mean? And so if you relocate, maybe relocate somewhere better. So like where I was this morning, I maybe would have located, relocated a little bit further Mm -hmm. to the North, you know, rather than sitting right there where I was. But, um, yeah, man, if it's, if the, if the spot checks all the boxes, then you got to, you got to hang tight. Got to hang tight. This time of year, I mean, you you just never know. Man. It out. Yeah, you just never know. So, right. Well, Absolutely. Pierce, man, yeah. my... Uh, have, your, have your one and two stands. What's that? I was going to say, it just, you know, for those who, who have the limited time, you oh. know, have your, your number one and your number two stands picked out, ready to rock. Yep. And, uh, well... 
hit when you can. Absolutely. What phase of the rut do you think things are in right now? I think we are. I saw the first chase today. Uh, I saw not eight does tonight. Not one of them had a buck on her. So, and they all had their fawns with them. So that tells me that we're not there yet. Right. Right. When those does get close to breeding, they're going to kick those fawns out. They're not going to be around them anymore. Those does are going to have bucks on their tail all day long. We're not there yet. I think we are getting into right now, at least for this very pressured piece of public. I know it's different for guys, especially Mm -hmm. guys who hunt, you know, private land that they can control the pressure. They've been seeing chasing going on for weeks now. Um, Where I'm at, it seems to be a little bit delayed. I think those does are going to be bred primarily between the 13th to the 15th of November, which seems to be, you know, the the right gestation period for the, for the fawns when they drop. And uh, I think the best days are yet to come. I think the seventh, eighth, ninth, basically the seventh through the 12th or 13th are going to be on fire. And then I think things are going to lock down pretty hard. Sure. Are you concerned about that lockdown at all? Not, not where I'm at because I'm leaving on the 14th. Okay. So right. yeah, I'm hunting all the way and up you're gonna to fill it. your tag tomorrow, anyways. So and let's hope so. Issue. Let's hope so. <laughs> let's let's hope that I can. But I know I'm gonna be around those does tomorrow, whatever that means. Yeah, I'm gonna be there when it. one of them pops, whatever that looks yep. like. I'm gonna be there. So you got it, man. Yep. Pump the does. Yep. So Pierce, man, I got, I got to run, but thanks for coming on the show. And you uh, bet, man, thank you. We'll catch up again whenever things are done here. Absolutely, man. Good luck this week. That's all for this week's episode. If you dig this podcast, be sure to go and subscribe wherever you find your other podcasts. If you would, please go leave us a five-star review. I'd very much appreciate it. You can follow along with all my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Deer Lab. Please go support the brands that support this show. And until next time, make sure to take the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.